Well, good morning, church. I'm excited to open God's word with you this morning. We will be in 1 Thessalonians 5, as Mike mentioned. Verse 18 is our text for today, and it says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. We need you to to open our ears to hear and our hearts to listen. God, we ask only that your name would be lifted up, that you would be glorified this morning, and that we would leave today a people marked by thankfulness. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, so here we all are, a pound or two heavier from Thanksgiving festivities. I personally am counting on Matt Collins at Baseline Fitness to help me out with that. But I wanted to give a shout out to the 46 million turkeys that paid the ultimate sacrifice for our feasting indulgence. That is a lot of turkey. And it is no wonder that right now there is a turkey sympathizer in our neighborhood with a big blow up of an angry looking turkey holding a sign that says, eat tofu. So, whether it was turkey or tofu for you, I do hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you found thankfulness easy to come by. But I also know that for many, thankfulness might not have come so easy. Holidays, for all their jolliness and joy, also have a way of highlighting lack and loss. You not only notice who's there, but also who is not there. For me and for my family, it was the noticeable absence of my brother who passed away earlier this year. His kids were there, but he was not, and that was a hard thing. For others, it might just be any measure of family dysfunction, maybe loneliness, perhaps economic struggle. And so the question is begged, does 1 Thessalonians 5.18 apply even in these circumstances? It might have come naturally last Thursday, as that was kind of the point of the holiday, but is it meant to carry into Monday when we go back to that job that we don't really like or the everyday mundane, the challenging grind of parenting that feels like an uphill battle at times. One way or another, whether it's a subtle suffering or the more obvious depravity of things like war and tragedy, we will all become keenly aware that we live in a broken world between two gardens. And in this awareness, thankfulness might feel a bit out of touch, a little tone deaf. And so is Paul a little unfair, naive, unrealistic to ask this of us? I don't think so. And I think it's because Christian thankfulness is rooted in Christ. It is realized in practice and results in joy. And those are our three points that we're going to be covering this morning, that Christian thankfulness is rooted in Christ, it's realized in practice, and it results in joy. So to the first point, that it's rooted in Christ. So if we revisit our text here, we see that it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I know you guys all thought that you graduated from Union with Christ. We just spent five weeks on the topic, and last Sunday was supposed to be the last one, but surprise, surprise, here we are again, and as my good friend Vaughn put it, it's like the Union with Christ after party. So here we go. Turns out that you can't get deep into any aspect of Christianity without running into this beautiful, mysterious, awesome reality that we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And this is critical for Paul's idea of Christian thankfulness. Why is that the case? Well, because if our thankfulness is rooted in Christ, that means it's not rooted in circumstances. Why is that important? Because circumstances change. And even in the best circumstances, they are lacking. 
Now, the rise of social media certainly exacerbates this point and makes us all keenly aware that someone always has better, someone always has more. And so, if this is the soil that our thankfulness is rooted in, then we should not be surprised to find our thankfulness changing and lacking, just like our circumstances. As our circumstances go, so our thankfulness goes. Christian thankfulness, however, is rooted in Christ, of whom Hebrews tells us is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and of whom John tells us we have received his fullness and grace upon grace. So in contrast to circumstances, we find Christ not changing or lacking, but unchanging and full. Christ sits above our circumstances in the heavenly places, and Ephesians 2 tells us that we are seated right there with him, right now. As Christ goes, so our thankfulness goes. Where he is, we are what he uh, has. We have, namely, every spiritual blessing. So what does this mean? It means that right now, in Christ, it will always and fully be true that you have been chosen before the foundation of the world, that he has made you holy and blameless, that you are a child of the living God, adopted into his family, full heirs of his inheritance, that we who were condemned are redeemed by his blood, forgiven and full recipients of sovereign, unstoppable grace, which he has lavished upon us. These things hold true in feast and in famine, in plenty and in poverty, 24-7, 365, all this because we have union with Christ who stands above our circumstances and it is from that point that Christian thankfulness proceeds. So ultimately, we don't take our thankfulness cues from our circumstances, but from our unchanging and full Jesus Christ. This is why in John 16, 33, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, in this world, you will have trouble But take heart, I have overcome the world. Not me, not you guys, not hoping that our circumstances will get better. But right here and right now, Christ has overcome the world and all the blessings and benefits that are associated with that are ours in him. And so you might recall uh, the, the story of Horatio Spafford. He was a great hymnist. He wrote the song, It Is Well. And the story behind that song is that uh, his wife and, and four daughters, he sent an, ahead of him to go on, on vacation to the UK via ship. And along the way, that ship crashed and it sank and his four daughters drowned. Uh, his wife survived and went on and he was going to meet his wife in the UK. And as he was sailing over the very spot in which his four daughters tragically drowned, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Spafford can say this because in a shaky world, he laid hold of this unshakable truth, the same truth that is true of you and I and available to us all right now. Now, to be sure, the Christian enjoys not only spiritual uh, but material blessings, and James 1 tells us that every gift comes from God above, and we should definitely thank God for every undeserved gift that we have, including every single breath that we take, but make no mistake that those who predicate their thankfulness upon the ever-shifting sands of circumstances and material blessings will not withstand the storms of trouble that Jesus promises us in this world. But 
If upon the solid rock of Jesus we firmly stand, come storm or gale or the very gates of hell, those things are already overcome in Christ and we will always have a reason to be thankful. And this is why Paul can tell us to give thanks in every circumstance. Well, that all sounds great, but how do we actually live this out? So Paul doesn't suggest this here. He actually commands it as the will of God. And this insinuates that this is something we can do. This is something that we can practice. And this is why our second point is that Christian thankfulness is realized in practice. It's one thing to have access, right? It's another thing to grab hold and to realize and to live out. Now, if some of you know me well, you know that I am a big Lord of the Rings fan. Some might even say nerd. And in the third installment, The Return of the King, there's this scene where they're on the eve of this great battle. They know they don't really have a chance to win. Hope is uh, waning. Morale is low. And in the midst of this, Elrond, he uh, is a great elvish lord, is, uh, approaches Aragorn with this, uh, the, the, uh, a great sword named Andriel. It's the sword uh, that could only be uh, wielded by the rightful king of men. And Aragorn uh, knows that he is the rightful king of men. But to this point, he has run away from that reality and he has instead chosen the life of a ragtag ranger. And so in this uh, goosebump-worthy scene, Elrond realizes that they need uh, Aragorn to realize who he is, to take up his kingly status, to take up his kingly sword, to summon the necessary help to give them hope in this battle. And so he walks up to him and says, set aside the ranger, become who you were born to be. Church, many of us need to become who we were born again to be. Chosen, holy, blameless, adopted, redeemed, forgiven heirs of God, lavished with awesome, unstoppable grace. For Aragorn, it was taking hold of his sword. For us, a big part of it is taking hold of thankfulness. And we're going to talk about how to do that. But before, I want to establish a guiding principle for us, and that is that we tend to be thankful when we remember, right? So we we know who we are and what we have, but sometimes we forget that. And that's the thing with circumstances. It's not really the circumstances that are the issue in and of themselves. It's what they do. They, they distract us. They steal our gaze and they cause us to forget. This is illustrated really well in Matthew 14, the story of Jesus walking on the water. You might recall that uh, he's walking on the water, stormy seas, and the, the, the disciples see him and Peter calls out and says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come on. And so Peter, this average Joe fisherman from Galilee, is walking on top of water, eyes fixed on his Savior. But then he catches a white cap out of the corner of his eye, and slowly his gaze turns from his Lord onto his precarious circumstance, the raging sea beneath him, and down he goes. Jesus, in his mercy, is faithful to save him even then, but the point is clear. When we lose sight of Christ to whom we are united and fill our gaze with the stormy seas around us, we will forget and we will sink. Lamentations 3 is another great example of this where we see the author in the midst of horrible circumstances say these words starting in verse 21 when he says, This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. He called to mind. He remembered. He remembered who God is, his immutable character, and that changed everything. And so the question then becomes, what can help me remember? 
Something our family did uh, in the month of November is we did a thankfulness tree, and it sat in the middle of our dining room table. And the idea was that every morning we would, we would wake up, the first thing we'd write down something that we were thankful for on a card, and we'd put it on the tree. I couldn't help but chuckle when um, the, the first things that our kids wanted to put on there for Shiloh, the first thing she wanted to put up was the USA. And for Ender, what he was most thankful for is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So this went ahead and covered all his bases. But it was a great thing. Uh, it got our minds thinking in that direction, uh, first thing in the morning. And then throughout the day, we were able to see that and be reminded of all we have to be thankful for. And the visual nature truly is helpful, and it is scriptural. This is a big reason that we have a lot of the feasts and the festivals in the Old Testament, like Purim and Passover, Feast of Weeks, the Ebenezer Stone. These are meant to be memory joggers for a people with spiritual identity amnesia to remind them who they are and who God is. And this carries on into the New Testament primarily with the sacraments. We just were able to witness a baptism last week, and there's a reason it was something that we witnessed, right? It was, we, we got to, to, to see the water. We got to see the person, to hear the words, and we remembered, right? It reminded who we are and what we have in Christ. Similarly, for the Lord's Supper, uh, we also have, uh, and now if you're from a, um, a Catholic background, you might know that the Lord's Supper is referred to as the Eucharist. And if you've ever wondered why that is, that it's called the Eucharist, well, it's because in our very text this morning, 1 Corinthians 5, the, the Greek word for give thanks is Eucharisteo. And so Eucharist literally means give thanks or thanksgiving. And this is no accident. We drink the cup, we break and eat the bread, and we remember. When we remember, we're thankful. So practicing thankfulness and prayer is another big one. I like to use the tool, uh, the acronym ACTS, A-C. TS. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And using a tool like Acts reminds me to incorporate thankfulness into my prayer on a regular basis. And so in summary, when we practice thankfulness, we practice remembering. And so the question becomes, what can I install into my day-to-day and my week-to-week that can help me remember who I am and what I have in Christ? And if this feels forced or fake, um, just remember that really any spiritual discipline sometimes has to start as a discipline before it becomes a delight. So finally, we've talked about how our, our, our Christian thankfulness is rooted in Christ, that our union with Christ gives us a reason to be thankful in any circumstance because uh, of who we are in him and what we have in him. We've talked about how Paul commands this, uh, to be thankful, to practice it, and really lay hold of this reality. And all of this leads to this point, and it is that Christian thankfulness results in joy. That's what it does. See, God doesn't need our thankfulness. He's not insecure and looking to be thanked. God doesn't need our thankfulness. We need our thankfulness because our joy is tied to it. Thankfulness and joy are attached at the hip. Good luck having one without the other. We neglect it to our own detriment. And God only commands what is good and for our joy and his glories. And that's why he commands it here. Paul commands it because our joy is at stake. And not just any joy, but an extremely powerful and resilient joy. Aragorn wielded his sword to overcome his enemy. The Christian wields thankfulness. It's like the Christian's superpower. So back in college, uh, many of you are in college right now, you get to take electives sometimes to fill in a hole in the schedule or to get extra credit. Uh, For me back in college, 
Um, unfortunately, underwater basket weaving was all filled up, so I elected to take a Tai Chi class. Uh, tai Chi, for those who are unfamiliar, is a form of martial arts, and um, one of the primary concepts uh, uh, in it is that uh, you learn how to, um, to redirect the aggression of your attacker against them, to kind of turn their attacks on their head, right, by use of uh, redirection and manipulation. And so what your attacker meant to harm you, you actually learn how to turn against them so that it harms them instead. So it is with thankfulness. It turns the effects of sin and the attacks of the enemy on its head, and all of a sudden, what was meant for evil is parlayed into a blessing. A quick example of this in our life. So um, we have a van, and Lauren, the, the van that Lauren drives, and it's, it's got a lot of issues, and it has had a lot of issues for a long time, and had become a become a sore spot for us. And we would daydream about the day when we could get another van that we didn't want to kick every time we see it. And uh, yeah, so around that time, a couple more lights popped up on the dash and, and we were joking that I guess our van just wanted to get in the Christmas spirit early because right now the dash is lit up like a Christmas tree. And so, as you can imagine, it was a bit of a sore spot. But shortly after that, I overheard Lauren talking to someone and, and they were asking her, hey, when are you going to get another van? And she goes... Oh, I don't know. I actually kind of like my van again. I was like, huh? And they said, why? And she was like, well, I just remembered that I needed to be more thankful. So my jaw dropped, but I was like, man, what a, a beautiful picture of this, right? Like what was once a, a, a cause for bitterness and discontentment changed into contentment and joy, and the only thing that changed was thankfulness. Her perspective changed, and her heart followed uh, a friend of mine in the campus outreach world, Matt Bradner, says it in this witty way. He says, uh, sometimes what needs to change is not our obstacles, but our opticals. In other words, it's not really the circumstance that needs to change, it's the way that we see it. It's our perspective. And this is why Joseph can tell his brothers uh, who sold him into slavery and made his life a living hell for so many years that uh, what they meant for evil, God meant for good. It's why we read in Romans 5 that to rejoice in our suffering, why James 1 tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds. It's why 1 Peter tells us suffering people uh, to rejoice, though now if necessary you are grieved by various trials, that even the midst of that suffering, they can rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, I want to be clear that this does not belittle uh, tragedies and deep suffering. This is not a call to put on a forced or fake smile to hide the actual anguish uh, that you might actually feel. Scripture is clear. There is a time for weeping, and Christ meets us in that weeping. No, this is not belittle tragedy and suffering. It reframes and redeems it. It adds precious purpose to every ounce of it. Thankfulness, though sitting beneath the shroud of deep, dark clouds, remembers the ever-shining sun just beyond those clouds. And though we still feel the weight of trials, thankfulness sees the greater eternal weight of glory that God is using those trials to work out. And even when we are weak, and though our eyes stray from our Savior and onto the waves around us, just like Peter's did, our Savior is gracious to pull us out time and time again. That is the gospel, and what a reason to be thankful, and what a beautifully powerful tool in the hands of a believer. 
I want to wrap up this morning by sharing a story about Corey Ten Boom. Uh, if you've not read her story, I would encourage you to. It's, it's written in the, in, the, in the book, The Hiding Place. And the gist of it is that back in World War II, uh, her and her family were uh, found out by the Nazis. They were hiding Jews, and they got found out, and they were shipped off to a Nazi concentration camp, her and her older sister, Betsy. Now, I don't need to tell you probably how bad their circumstances were. Incredibly malnourished, uh, stuffed into an overcrowded bunk, uh, completely unsanitary, and and, uh, the cherry on top was infested with fleas. And so, in the midst of this circumstance, they were actually able to to smuggle a little Bible in, and they read this very passage that we're reading today, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. And Betsy, the older sister, says, you know what, Corey, we should put this into practice. We should start thanking God for our circumstances. And so Betsy begins thanking God for their circumstances. And amongst the things that she thanks God for is the fleas. Thank you, God, for the fleas. Now, Corey is like, you're crazy. That is taking it too far. I can thank God that we're not separated, you know, that we're here together, that we're still alive, those things. I can thank God for that, but I cannot and will not thank God for these abysmal fleas. And so time passes, and they're actually able to, to begin a Bible study with this little Bible they have. And a lot of the women in the, the bunkhouse find tons of hope and even meet the Lord and begin a relationship with him. And the reason that they were able to have these Bible studies was that they realized after a while that the guards stopped coming into their bunkhouse. They didn't really know why, but they thought, oh, well, now we can have these Bible studies and all these great things can happen. They found out a little later down the road that the very reason that the guards were not coming into their bunkhouse and abusing them and confiscating things like the Bible was because of what? The fleas, right? And so it turns out that there was a reason to be thankful for the fleas. This is not a sermon on simply how to feel better about your life or feel happier through thankfulness. If that were it, then you might as well take a trip to the nearest Barnes and Noble and take a trip down the self-help aisle because this is a concept that the world is very familiar with. The Christian, however, is not just out to feel better. We're not just throwing up a thank you to our lucky stars, whatever that even means, but we thank a real and personal God who has chosen to love us before the foundations of the world and has given us immeasurably more than all we could ask or think. We're not just looking for this obscure silver lining, but we are laying hold of the glorious gold that is our imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance, the eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, our sure and steady anchor of the soul, this game-changing reality, this unmovable rock, this gospel of Christ, uh, this beautiful reality that, that God uses all things, even fleas, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose and those who love him. And all this is best grasped by the heart that cries, thank you, God. Let's pray. Lord, this is not always easy. Certainly not in hard times, but even in, in times of plenty, we can uh, get wrapped up in it and, and lose sight of the, of the one who has given us every single good gift that we have. We don't deserve anything that we have, and yet you graciously give it. You're the giver of all good gifts. And so whether things are good or things are not, I pray, God, that you would mark us as a people of, of thankfulness, 
to see through it all to the good God who is working all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need you for this. We ask you for it, Father, in your name. Amen.